Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the United States of a Movie Podcast. A movie podcast for movie people by movie people. My name is Oli Pettigrew. I'm known in Asia as the host of a number of movie shows. In America, I'm known as one of the hosts formerly of Right This Minute. Now I'm known as that Englishman in Texas, but I love movies. I love to talk about movies. And here on this podcast, our mission is to try and find the one movie to define each state in these United States. And I don't want to take on that kind of challenge alone. Fortunately, I don't need to. I've got two amazing co-hosts who love movies as much as I do. Ryan, Will, welcome back to the show. Great to be here, boys. Yep. I'm ready to talk about these movies. One of these movies in particular, the other two. I, I'm just ready. I'm, we'll just talk about it. I was gonna. I was going to try and write down some like twangy Georgian like phrases, but I didn't want to. I was going to get my banjo, yeah. but yeah, I'm, yeah. Already getting en- I'm already getting enough hate mail. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yes. Yeah. The reason we're talking banjos is because the, the state we are trying to take down is the great state of Georgia. Um, uh, in this particular case, we each bring a, a different movie to, to the table and then we kind of hash it out. We talk about the movies and try and figure out which one we feel is the most representative of the state. I went with the 2019 Amazon Studios movie Troop Zero. It's a charming little movie. It's directed by Bert and Bertie, who also went on to direct some episodes of Hawkeye for Disney+. Plus. Uh, it stars one of my favorite actresses, Viola Davis, one of my other favorite actresses, Alison Janney, Jim Gaffigan, and the absolute treasure, young McKenna Grace. It tells the story um, back in the 70s of a space-obsessed young girl who just wants to get her voice on the gold record that's going on Voyager. And to do that, she has to become a birdie scout. And so starts a fun little adventure. But I wouldn't use the word fun for the movie that Ryan brought to the table. What did you bring, Ryan? <laughs> I uh, I picked, God, I as I, as I was re-watching this movie, uh, I really hope it doesn't win because I don't want people from Georgia to think this is an accurate representation of who they are as a people. <laughs> but I picked I picked uh, Deliverance, a, uh, a a really fun ride down a river, bunch bunch of mates paddling yeah. about, totally not getting sexual assaulted, and uh, <laughs> you know, fun, fun times all around, it? man. 
It's like Stand By Me, but like if everything went really bad. Uh, it's directed by yeah. John Borman, written by J- James Dickey, who actually wrote the book. This movie is based off the book. It stars Burt Reynolds at his peak most handsome. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. John Voight, Ned Beatty, and Ronnie Cox. I had no yeah. idea. I'm like, dude, that's yeah. the chief from Beverly Hills Cop. That's the bad guy from Robocop. Dick Jones, man. Yeah. <laughs> Dick <believe> Jones. Um, <laughs> So as, as uh, um, Ryan was saying, the plot of that movie essentially is that these guys, four businessmen essentially from Atlanta, decide to take a canoe trip down a river that's not going to be there because they're building a dam and it's going to flood the entire valley. And what starts off as a fun sort of bonding adventure turns into what people are capable of when it comes down to murder. Um, it's the first time I've never seen this movie. I've always wanted yeah. to see this movie and I love that this this podcast made me watch it, but funny enough, um, I hate that this podcast made me watch it, and I picked it. <laughs> well, the reason is is because initially when I said Georgia, everybody's first instinct was the movie that Will chose. Will, what's the movie that you brought to the table? That's right. The movie I brought is a uh, Baby Driver by my buddy Edgar Wright. Um, I love this movie, starring uh, Ansel Elgort. I think I got that right. Yeah. Uh, Got uh, some some other some other criminal guy. Uh, then Jamie Fox, John Han. Uh, this this movie is one of my favorites in recent years. Uh, yeah. Absolutely love this film. Well, we, uh, and I say I, I say my buddy Edgar Wright because I talked to him once at a comic con. Yeah. Friend friend of Edgar Wright, friend of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So ever since that that was like you know fifteen years ago, but I consider us best friends to this day. Sure. As, as would but, I. Um, that's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean it's got a monster uh, cast: Kevin Spacey, Lily James, Elsa Gonzalez, who we've already seen when we did the LA episode. She was an ambulance. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Hamlet, like saying John Pernthal, and a great turn by C.J. Jones as well. Like you said, written and directed by Edgar Wright, who is. One of my favorite directors of all oh, yeah. time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have been a fan of Edgar Wright since I was in college when he made a very famous television show called Spaced. Spaced mm-hmm. is what then begat Shaun of the Dead, which begat Hot Fuzz, the entire Cornetto trilogy. And then I remember when they announced Baby Driver and I was like, okay. I was, because very much so, Edgar Wright is an English writer director you know, makes British movies with British mm-hmm. people. And I was like, this is going to be the first full-on American movie that he makes set in America with Americans. And I go, is it going to work? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Works great. Refresh my memory. This was before or after he was supposed to direct Ant-Man? I think after. I think once Ant-Man kind of got kicked to the side, he then kicked this up into high gear, I believe. I I think so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that would have been so great. Ant-Man, you see all mad. I'm so mad we were robbed of, of his directing turn at that but yeah sorry, the mcu wasn't ready for for directors yeah. to do what they wanted and then you, know, you saw how they figured it out later they go oh if we do let a director do what they want it yeah. ends up being awesome i think ant-man i mean yeah. i like ant-man but i and think then, it and then they went back to not figuring it out yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then they just yeah. started cookie cutter yeah. movie yeah. um you know what let's do it let's keep this momentum let's go with yeah, baby yeah. driver because we all love this movie now yes. it's completely shot on location in Atlanta. The reason I chose Georgia is I drove through Georgia just two weeks ago. I was just staying in Atlanta. Great city. So as you're driving around, you go, oh, I know this place. Oh, I know this place. But it is very, very much shot in Atlanta. They took over that place for like four months. But yeah. what is your what are your thoughts on the movie? Let's just start right there. Will you go? Because I've got a hot, a hot take. <gasps> Ooh, awesome. I can't wait to hear it. Uh, I, yeah, no, I love this movie. I think Edgar Wright's one of those directors where I've seen 
like Fincher, like Wes Anderson. Uh, I've seen all their movies um, and Edgar Wright's right up there. Uh, I was a little skeptical, like when I heard this movie was announced because he's such a comedy guy. Uh, I kind of was like, is this going to work? But after seeing it, I thought it worked insanely well. I do think one minor critique is we'll probably talk about the music. I think the doing like cool tricks, like lining up the bullet shots with the music is a little gimmicky. And I think kind of outstays it's welcome, but I think overall, this is an incredibly good movie. Um, despite the fact that some people in the cast, uh, don't have, uh, have been revealed to be not so great people in real life <laughs> since this came out. But, uh, no, I, I love this film. Uh, I think it's fantastic. Uh, that's my thoughts on it. But what's your hot take? Yeah, go So I, I remember hearing about this movie and being such a huge Edgar Wright fan. I, I still think Hot Fuzz is one of my top five movies of all time to a point where yeah. if we do ever get to do a United States of a movie podcast abroad, I, oh, I, I, I'm picking that small. <laughs> we, and, if, and should we happen to pick that small town, we, we can all do Hot Fuzz. Yeah. But um, I, so I was geeked out hearing, oh my God, he's doing this. I can't wait. Cause he doesn't do movies that often. They don't, I mean, you know, they're very few and far between. So mm-hmm. hearing about this, especially after uh, Ant-Man, I was so excited and seeing this in the theater. I remember I, I got to see it um, a day early at the Alamo draft house. And I remember leaving that movie going, eh, not didn't really live up to my expectations. Having said that rewatching it now again, like with fresh eyes, there's no denying he's such a master at his craft and it absolutely rules. And I, I was like, I took a step back. I'm like, okay, this, this movie is fantastic. I absolutely yeah, love the, it. The first 10 minutes, the first two songs back to back are um, pretty much a masterclass of filmmaking and editing yeah. um, mm-hmm. in, in just every way. So the opening scene uh, is, is a bank heist. So the car pulls up. You you know the car from the sound if you're a car nerd, but a, a Scooby, a Subaru Double RX Turbo Subi. turns up. Um, and so starts the movie as this song starts playing. I think it's um, Bell Bottoms. Um, and very quickly, as a viewer, you realize that not only is the music playing, but the action, everything, things that are happening are all synced up with the song. Um, and as the scene continues, uh, it starts building. You're like, oh wow, this, this it's not just like a, it's it's not just a straight up oh in this moment. This is how we're doing the whole opening scene. In fact, the whole opening scene is a car chase that goes off to that song, and then after the dunk that is that opening scene, it opens to an even greater one, which okay. is Ansel walking to go and get coffee and then coming back. And that's the scene I want to start talking oh, yeah. about because that it's that easy. is the uh-huh. best scene in the whole movie because. Every time you watch it, you notice something else. That yeah. being that the graffiti is saying certain things in the background or the sounds of the ATM or just everything is, is all stitched together. What do you guys think about that? <laughs> I, I, I think that is, if that was just the whole movie, that, that I, which I think is, I don't know if it's stitched together, but it's like, a, it's a wonder, is mm. done so well that, I, especially following that incredible opening scene to have yeah. that, to dovetail it, it was just i was sitting there in the theater going oh my god this is i was i thought the whole movie was going to be like that so my first time watching it i was kind of let down that it wasn't but the, to your point the editing where everything is like matched to the um to the soundtrack is done in at least in the opening is done in such a subtle way that the first time i was like i didn't even really notice it <laughs> until my rewatch you know 
Yeah, I've had people say the same that they go, oh, wait, what? Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I did notice you syncing up the music to the bullets. I did notice a lot. I was like, OK, it's a little much. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's, it's it's noticeable. Yeah, it's a little like towards the end. It's it's a yeah. little gimmicky, but, I, but it works. It does. But work. it works really well. Yeah, it yeah. does work. I agree with it. Yeah. Well, it's it's yeah. kind of a question of it's you're in for a penny, in for a pound. You know, once you've started with the idea, you've got to pull, you've got to execute it. Yeah. You know? And it's like the the kind of the the fun sort of like thing about it is is um so the main character uh baby b a b y baby um played by Ansel uh, Elgot he's got uh, tinnitus that everyone calls it tinnitus that my wife was like no tinnitus is itis means a swelling. So it's tinnitus is technically how to pronounce it. I only say that's my wife. Oh boy, here yeah, we I go. know, right? So my missus is now on board. But um, because of an accident he had that killed his parents, um, he's always got a hum in the drum, as Kevin Spacey likes to say. So he's always listening to music, and it's kind of like because what do you guys think? Because it's a little bit of both. Is that are we perceiving reality the way that that baby is perceiving things? But at the same time, we also see him go, whoa, 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 wait, I got to rewind it. I got to rewind it. Is, is he controlling it the way it is? Or is the music controlling things? Or is it just kind of like, it doesn't matter. It's just a movie. I, I mean, I like to think that it's just part of him as a character. Like, he, that's just how his brain has to operate. Like, that he's so precise with his driving that if his music is off for 30 seconds, it all goes to shit. So he's got to be on that timeline properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think it might be there might be a little bit of kind of fourth wall breaking with the the music and stuff, but I think I think for the most part because I think every shot of this movie, I think his character is in every baby is in every single yeah, pretty much frame right. of this every film. Scene, I think yeah. so. I think it is all entirely meant to be from his POV. I That's can't think of point. one scene where he's not in. I can't either. Good yeah. point, Will. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Um, speaking of fourth wall breaking, um, so one there's um, so there's like there's three heists uh, in the movie essentially. Um, the first one features uh, John Hamm, Elsa Gonzalez, and John Bernthal, who who is only in the movie for like that first bit. And you you're talking fourth wall breaks. He's in the lift, and he goes, uh, yeah, "If great. you don't see me again, looks right at the camera, but he's wearing sunglasses. I'm dead." Yeah. And then he walks out of the movie. And then it's like that's the explanation. He's killed on camera. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. dead. He he dies. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's how they reveal it too. Him bringing in the car. Or no, that was late, the later in the scene. I, and we, we've done it again, where you've just kind of glazed over what this movie's about, which is I think I, I think our fans are expecting it at this <laughs> we're point. S- we're staying on brand. Yeah, it's, yes. it's our yeah. brand now. Let's do it. Um, yes. So, um, baby, B A B A B Y baby. Uh, he is a getaway driver for Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey seems to be kind of like a local gangster that puts together crews to pull off heists. He's a well, is pl- a great planner. He obviously has some sort of backing. Uh, and very quickly after the first heist, we realize that um, Baby is indebted to Kevin Spacey's character for trying to steal his car when he was younger. It turns out that Baby is a notorious uh, joyrider, um, so named as well because he was a kid while doing it. He's the best getaway driver there is. And then what happens is uh, he falls for, um, uh, what's her name? Deborah. Uh, Deborah. Deborah. Yeah. Like, 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 like Deborah. the song. Like the song. Like a Deborah. Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then he just basically wants to get out, but he gets pulled back in. And then it's just a series of heists, other heists, chases, things like that, all synced up to a banging soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, 
The idea of which, so this, so you, have you guys seen the music video for Mint Royale? Yes. Only, after, only after seeing this movie, sure. Right. So it, it does turn up in the movie. Briefly, it even has yeah. Nick Frost in it uh, in the back seat. But uh, that Noel, was kind of the Oh, yeah, Noel Fielding. Yeah, yes, Noel Fielding. Fielding, yeah. So if you haven't seen it at home, there is, look it up, Blue Song by Mint Royale, um, a band that was often featured on Space, which is why I think that Edgar uh, got connected with them. But yeah, it shows the whole first scene of basically Baby Driver, but without the car chase. And, you know, Edgar Wright saw that and he's like, could I do a whole movie like that? And so yeah. he just went for it. But first he did, he had, before even doing the movie, he had all of the music mapped out. And he's like, I'm going to build a movie around this soundtrack, which is insane. Yeah. I mean, rewatching it, especially and, like they say the chase scene on, on when he oh, gets yeah. out on feet. You mm-hmm. notice how the whole scene is, like you said, scripted out because he goes, all right, we've got this bit, then it's a quiet bit, so he's in the park. Then we've got a chase bit again, then it's a quiet bit when he's inside yeah. the mall. And I'm like, so he's built the action scenes around the music, which you can really feel, and it works. I mean, what do you think, Will? Yeah, no, I think that it's that's actually a really fantastic way. If you know you can get the songs, it's a fantastic way to outline a movie, actually, because it lets you know where all the emotional beats are going to be and, like, where is it going to be thrilling? Where is it going to be slow? Where is the characters going to feel that? I think that was probably part of the appeal of why he wanted to do this is like, oh, this is like not an easier way, but a clever way to kind of like outline the entire movie around yeah. the sound. And thankfully they got all the songs. Yeah. Because and to make it work, like that's such yeah. a huge undertaking to like, it's, I feel like it can, the foundation of it could crumble at any point, but he, it just absolutely works. It holds up. I mean, Will, it's funny you say that because like, you're a filmmaker. You know, I've definitely, you know, I've edited and things like that and, and put things together. And I've always done it the way that Edgar does it in this movie is that I'd go off, I'd be running, I'd hear a song and I mm-hmm. see the scene or I see something. I've been able to, like, I said, this is the song I need. And I've gone home and I've edited everything that I need to that song. So kind of like certain songs just generate a mm-hmm. scene in your yeah. head. And I think that's kind of what Edgar's done is like going, oh, he's got these eight, eight, nine songs. And he goes, I can build a whole goddamn movie out of this. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's like, that's part of the fun, especially if you know, you can get a song like that's part of the fun. I'm actually dealing with, you know, the movie I'm working on right now. There's the problem I have is there's a song that works really, really well from the scene. And I don't know if we can get it. And I, and it's, one of is those, it, like, oh, we might have to do a different song. Is it, is it Dueling Banjos? <laughs> it is Dueling Banjos. <laughs> yeah. You know, so often you're watching a movie and you hear a song playing and it is like, it's like listening to a song or looking through, like, through broken glass at... I know exactly the song that they wrote this scene to and that they put in as the temp track. And they've had to go and hire a musician to go make that song, but one note different in one place. And it's like, Oh, there it is. And then the the flip of that coin is if I have to hear sympathy for the devil, one more fucking time in a movie, I'm going to blow my brains (laughs) out. It's like the, uh, I, I have a pet peeve with like specific needle drops, like especially if you could see it coming. But this movie does not do that at all. Like every movie, yeah. every song in this, for, for most of them, I'd never even heard. And I love yeah. that um, the opening scene where he's in the opening title sequence, if you can call it, like when he's walking through the, the I thought it was going to open with that House of Pain song. Yeah. And it opens with the original. I was like, whoa, I never even, I didn't even know that was a sample. It was so Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, we know, as uh, we talked about, that, that Edgar Wright's great at comedy. 
Um, he's an uh, expert at camera movements. He delved into action with Hot Fuzz. And I also forgot he did another American movie, of course, which is Scott Pilgrim versus the Johnny World. Johnny P. Yeah. So I think like he's an established like action director as well. And yeah. like, I think the action in this film, I mean, there's a couple of shots. Like one of my all-time favorites is right at the beginning when he's put the Subaru into reverse and it's a moving camera and the camera the Subaru spins all the way around and drifts right past the camera that's moving mm-hmm. as well. It's an incredibly dynamic shot that yeah. could easily go very, very wrong. You know, Michael Bay would have thrown a camera in front of it. Yeah. And like, right. you know, just had it's it be destroyed. Incredible driving. I mean, the, the stunt work in it alone, but that's the thing is like, it's done so well that you only, you only notice something if it's bad. And yeah. This is just yeah. so, so smooth. And I mean, I, I'm like, after rewatching this again, I, I have such a new appreciation like with his movies. They're so nuanced and so layered that that just makes them infinitely rewatchable. Like you said, you every time you see one of his movies, you catch something new or something different, mm-hmm. whether it's like a, a phrase or an edit or like or a sound effect that 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 pushes two scenes together, like the the wipe, the the match cut where he's standing there and it closes and then he's standing in the um, in the, the junkyard. Oh, yeah, the junkyard. So and then, cool. and the one with the, the cup, the coffee cup to a to a button oh, uh, that's classic Edgar right like yeah. he, yep. he loves to do that and also there's great transition wipes there's one where the car drives past right left right and we're in the next location I mean that's yeah. the thing is it's that because you know the editor I mean like um the editors involved in this one I think the thing is we talked about it before about like but Edgar Wright he shoots for the edit mm-hmm. he writes Easy. for the edit he writes for the film he knows what the next scene is. He knows how he's going to get there. He knows what the camera wipe is going to be. But while they were making this one and having to sync things up, they were editing it on location. So they had a laptop there and they were, as the shots were coming in, laying them in, laying them out to see if it was working because there's so many little bits, like in that first car chase when you've got the of the drums and you've got the whip, 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 whip of like mm-hmm. things right in front of the camera as well. It's just... That's for me. I, I, I'm just, I love amazing filmmaking. I love people doing something different. I love people pushing things and yeah. pushing the envelope. And I think this is one of the movies that pushes the envelope yeah. so far. I, to a point, I wish other, like, other directors, young and up and coming, would like reference, use him as like a baseline to try something different and, you know, do, do different things with the edit. Like he, he, he just should, goes to show that you can stitch two scenes together with a, with a simple sound effect or just something like that. It adds that extra layer of, of depth to it. It makes it so much more enjoy, like so much more substance to it. I love that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny you bring up space, Ollie, because like, that's, that's one of my favorite shows of all time. Like one of definitely in my top five favorite comedies. Um, and I think if you're a fan of this movie, you're a fan of Edgar Wright in general, you should, everyone should go back and watch space Yeah, because you see how it's the touchstone for the rest of his career. You know, there's so many little things he does in there where you're like, Oh man, like how he expanded on that later into a whole film. Mm-hmm. And that, that show literally has everything up to and including uh, a finger gun fight, which is possibly one of my Maybe favorite. The greatest. Yeah. That's the best in scene history. in the whole show. That's, a good um, that's the first scene I ever showed my future wife. And then we sat down and watched the entirety of space in one sitting. We watched all 12 episodes they're only I, like 25, 30 minute episodes. So you can do yeah. it in six hours. Oh, it's yeah. like two, two series, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and funny thing about that finger gun scene. So when I was at Comic-Con waiting to speak to Edgar Wright, 
the person you can find this, I think it's on YouTube somewhere. It's like the actual space panel when it was coming out on DVD, but you can see the guy right before me, uh, like says something and it confuses like Simon Pegg and Egg Wright. They're like, what? And then the guy reaches into his jacket and you can hear everyone in the audience be like, like it goes silent, but then he does the finger guns and they all like Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg immediately join in and start doing the finger gun fight. Happened in person. So yeah, look at it. It's YouTube. It's YouTube, like the space panel. That's from a long time ago. That's that's a magical moment. Yeah. Yeah. That is yeah, either it works really well or you end up dead. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fortunately, yeah. it went really well. That is a, that is yeah. so good. But yeah, I mean, spaced is um, it shows just straight from the beginning. I, I watched it religiously in college. I mean, I remember it, it was on TV when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I remember season two's promos. And um, if you have any love of movies, it's just I mean, it's it has so many movie references. It's almost impossible to keep yeah. up with them. They come so quick, back to back, mm-hmm. back to back, back to back. And then it was such a big deal that when they released the DVD, kind of like what you were saying in Comic-Con, when they released the American mm-hmm. box set, Quentin Tarantino does the commentary on some of yeah. the episodes. Yeah, yeah. He, he never does commentary. He did commentary for that and from Dust Till Dawn. Wow. <laughs> I think those are the only commentaries he's ever done. It's crazy. He yeah, was going to do the commentary for Footloose until he realized it's a totally different movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so as the movie goes, I'll tell you what's interesting. My wife loves this movie. And every time we watch it, she falls asleep in the last half hour. Mm, every yeah. time. Is the, you, you know, know I mean, I think, the, I think the energy is so front loaded in this film that like, and it's just go, it's nonstop that by the time you do hit the end of it, it it's, it can be exhausting. Like even me, like, I think it just hits a certain point where after, um, it all goes tits up and they go back to the cafe. And I'm just like, I, I know there's like 30 minutes left of this. I kind of mentally check out there, but so I get, yeah, I get it. I get it. It's the twist that happens before the third heist. Um, that, um, because Jamie Foxx is great. He plays bats mm, cause he's bats. batshit insane. Um, and he is that sort of like that element of chaos and danger that yeah. up until that point, it's been kind of a sort of a ride. And as soon as bats turns up, he starts killing people. He's killing people during the heists. He's like killing people to steal gum. He's and yeah. so then he learns that baby and Deborah are a thing. And that's when, you know, everything becomes more yeah. dangerous. But then it kind of the twist being is like it's uh, John Hamm ends up being the big bad. I love John Hamm in this. So movie. good. I love him in everything. Yeah. But I but I do wonder if that's like a maybe a mistake. Like, um, because I think maybe that energy shift of you're really setting up Jamie Foxx to be like, this is the guy to worry about. And then he's killed. And then it's John Hamm is the guy now to worry about. Right. There, it's not an incorrect decision, but it is one of those where it's like, Ooh, I yeah. felt like we were going in this different direction. I get that it's a twist, but what am I getting out of this? And Jamie Foxx for as fantastic as he is in this movie is maybe my least favorite part about this film. Like something about it just didn't, click for me i don't know what it was you almost wish he was playing motherfucker jones from uh yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) i mean he basically is though but i don't know there was just something not like for as unhinged as he was i don't think he was as unhinged as i would have liked him to be like i don't know there was just there there was just some kind of disconnect i can't put my finger on it there was a couple of uh, great little cameos though do you guys know so when he goes to buy the weapons our boy Paul, paul williams 
the, the, yeah. the little guy in the way. Yeah. It's uh, Little Enos from from uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah. So like, this is great. That is then, that was very cool. And for me. Baby's and then, mother is played by a singer, Sky Ferreira, right? And then there's well, for uh, yes. no reason for no reason. And then uh, there's Flea from Red Hot yeah. Chili Peppers. Yeah. Yeah. So that great. That's the that's one of those because it's not like straight. It's it's not a comedy comedy. It's not. It's like mm-hmm. it's an action movie. But there's that. There are little elements of, of Edgar Wrightian that sort of come in. And um, it's the, the Mike, bit the, where they've yeah. been told to get the Michael Myers Halloween mask. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so the, this is Mike Myers. Yeah. And like, it's that there's three. Jason. So basically that actually came about because they couldn't get the rights to use the Jason mask or the whatever Mike mask. Myers, yeah. And so <laughs> then they called up Mike Myers and it's like, yeah, you can use my Austin Powers mask. But then it's like, no, it's supposed to be the Michael Myers Halloween mask. This is the Halloween mask. That that one, two, three of the joke. I was like, fun fact: so the, the Austin Powers Mike Myers mask is actually based on William Shatner's face from oh, from, wow. from Halloween. No, write that down. <laughs> three different like, levels of inception going yeah. on. There. That was a like I said. There was a good good comedy bit. A good now, comedy but, moment. But that's a great scene yeah. too. That that. That's the second robbery, right? Where second he's got the yeah. team. Where like they even, you know, they pull up to the side and you see them rushing the the van and baby pulls up so you don't see the drive the um security guard get killed. Mm-hmm. And then he backs up and then it just it all goes haywire. And then you have yeah. the 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 most American Marine guy just yeah. stopping <laughs> off at the bank with a full arsenal of weapons in his Dodge Ram, because <laughs> of course. Because then that's the thing is I've never been to Georgia. I don't know how you people operate down there. And you know, it's gonna say the real Georgia showing up there for a yeah. second. Yeah, it felt pretty real to me. Yeah. <laughs> after, but I was driving on the highways I, I, of Atlanta. I will say, like that's the thing I've never been. So, but none of this movie screamed out, and I, I don't know the iconography that well. Like none of this screamed like Georgia to me, like or Atlanta, well, or Atlanta specifically, right? Interestingly enough, so so the movie was supposed to be shot in Los Angeles. Um, and it was just going to be prohibitively expensive. So Edgar Wright and the production, they went out and they were sort of looking at a whole bunch of different cities, but also places that had great tax breaks. Uh, Georgia, as we know, is where all of the MCU movies are made. Loads of, like, I mean, mm-hmm. Archer is made. There's so much TV. You always see that peach yeah. at the end of things. Yeah. So it gave them a great opportunity. But then in retrospect, when he went, he's like, well, I want to make sure this fits with the city. That's why it actually feels very Atlanta because he went... He said the story actually works better set here. Um, you know, it, it like um, the center, uh, Atlanta is a real center of all of this stuff. So there's a bunch of things to get in the heist. You've got this great infrastructure and roads because they had the Olympics there in 96. And so that, I mean, that opening chase, you can look it up online. People have actually plotted it. It's not just wow. random shots of him driving around the city. It's an actual route through the city that you can follow. Wow. So they actually like brought it in, but he also wanted to make it in the city because once you get outside Atlanta, which is not very big, you get into the beautiful parts of Georgia, the trees and the greenery, the suburbs, and he goes, it doesn't fit for what right. this movie is. So it has to take place inside the city. The only sure. time you ever get outside the city is right at the end, where you get that element, you get the roads and the, the lakes and the rivers and the trees, the other kind of Georgia. So this is very much an Atlanta movie, but I would mm-hmm. say it's an accurate Atlanta movie. Yeah, I mean, I have, I don't know. I was going down my list of like almost run, almost picked, but none of it really, none of it screamed out to me more than like for, from an Atlanta standpoint. But yeah, I I think yeah, I, I think it was kind of 
a good call to make it set in Atlanta because I, like you said, Ollie, everything films there. Yeah. Um, and I, and I like kind of the simplicity of like actually just being like, let's play Atlanta for Atlanta as opposed to playing it for other cities. Like it does. Everybody else does movie or right, show. Right. It, it kind of reminded me of like the, there was a Star Trek episode recently where they went back in time and uh, spoilers. You haven't seen the show. There's a character who's like, ah, we're in New York city. And someone's like, no, this is Toronto. What are you talking yeah. about? Because they literally <laughs> filmed the show there and right. they're like, let's just not pretend. Let's just call it what it's, it is. It's, it's like, the, it's the Vancouver complex. Toronto. Like, Everything yes. just everything yeah. like shoots in Vancouver. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, to, yeah. to stand in front I mean, of the city, right? I was in. Yeah, that's I was what it was. In Vancouver. Singapore, and they came in and they shot a commercial. And it was right in the central business district of Singapore, and they just they brought in some yellow cabs. They switched all the signs around, and they made it downtown New York. And you'd be surprised that when you watch, you go, "I couldn't tell," and I live there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's that thing you don't notice it when it's done really well. But being yeah. from New York, yeah. I, I've seen shows or something that's set in New York. I'm like this. What? None, none of this makes any sense. Geographically, it's insane. Like um, Rumble in the Bronx, which we got to do one day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which, oh, my God. <laughs> super New York, Wait, right? what? <laughs> <laughs> it was in Staten Island, mostly. Um, we've got to put this. Uh, someone I want to talk about is C.J. Jones. C.J. Jones plays his um, uh, foster father, uh, deaf actor. Um, and, and so because it's kind of like a bit about about baby is that he can't really hear great. He's got the tinnitus that kicks in. The movie starts with tinnitus. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the yeah. Sony bing actually yeah. then becomes like a it's so great. The movie yeah. from literally before the movie even starts, he's doing his Edgar Wrightian things. Right. But um, the stuff wow. with CJ and Ansel and doing the, the sign language and stuff, I thought it worked really well. I thought he's, as an actor, you you really felt like like CJ Jones, he, he does great in a movie that is so dynamic and so yeah. character and so, so driven. What do you guys think about it? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's really it's unbelievable hand acting is the only way I can describe <laughs> it. I know, I know he's they're signing, but like just the, the passion and the, yeah. like the, the, the way the power. Face, yeah. Yeah. Right? The way you watch his face yeah. and he's like going, you know, you see like, it's, it's brilliant. Right. I, I really enjoyed their banter when they're, they're doing their sign language to each other. Yeah. Even when he's yeah. like dancing around and, just communicate like it's just their chemistry together is, was excellent yeah it's such a good performance and i mean in the i was reading up on the audition process and uh Edgar Wright was saying like he had uh, auditioned jones and loved his performance and as he auditioned other actors who were not deaf in real life mm. pretending to be he's like ah, it just felt weird yeah. like trying to work with somebody who wasn't actually and he's like I just, no, I had to go with yeah, C.J. Jones. And because, of course he would. Yeah, Yeah, because he's the best actor for the part. And also, yeah. he, he fully understands what this is like. Yeah. So Edgar yeah. Wright's not known for cutting any corners, you know? like Yeah. He's, yeah. he's dedicated in his craft for sure. At no expense. Yeah. Um, and then Lily James as well. Lily James, uh, as as Deborah, she's great. It's funny, I was watching so it, and I was like, I said to the mystic, oh, she's British, you know? And she goes, really? But she's so pretty. <laughs> 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 she's got all of her teeth. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's like, it's there, my wife, she's cold blooded yeah. sometimes. No. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I love, like, she's great in this movie as well. I think yeah. it's just, there's so much to like about the movie. The, the car chase scenes, the driving scenes, you can tell at times that it is Ansel, like, you know, when they skid up to the sort of the camera and the camera goes inside the car. Um, the great sort of use of like lighting and things like that, you know, Edgar can be very theatrical that, Earlier on, Darling had said, you don't want to piss off, um, John, you know, my man, you know, when he sees red, when Buddy sees red, 
you know, people yeah, they use, they use the a color in this movie as a whole. Yeah. Like so the he's colors of the cars, their clothes. Yeah, bathed I mean, in red. Yeah. I yeah. mean, also like then Bats is all dressed in red. Yeah. As well. And, so that's when and Ansel's character, Baby, he's always in like neutral tones, like grays. So you, you can tell he's kind of on in the middle, you know, really. I really like his jacket. Yeah. I want his yeah. jacket so bad. It would be cooler for that giant scorpion on the back, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just gave that one to my uh, nephew. Actually, he I was so mad it didn't good. fit me. I was so mad. <laughs> um, what I also like about the movie is that you know, baby's in over his head, um, and then he is a you know, as much as he's always trying to do good, so he steals a woman's car, but he makes sure he gives her the purse and says sorry, yeah. and he, he shakes off the the post um, the postal worker, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, to try and prevent, and then you know, once it all goes down he still gets locked up for 25 years, you know? Yeah. And see, that's the thing is like, uh, you know, it's John Hamm at the end uh, sort of basically shoots his gun next to both of his ears to kind of like basically t- yeah. make his tinnitus even worse. And then was about to kill Lily James. And that's when, uh, when uh, he gets taken out. But I, what do you guys think? Like, Cause I thought it was kind of cool. Like, like the ending is no like, Oh, and they got away or got happily away ever after he goes down for five years. My question to you is, the end of the movie, is that real or is that his imagination? Hmm. You know, no, I mean, I, I've gone, I've gone back and forth, you know, what do you think? Dude. Sorry. No, I, I was going to say, you could, cause it's, it ties into your, the point you were trying to make earlier. Does all of this kind of like take place in his, his, his version of it? Um, that's a great point. I, I don't know. It's, I love, I love the ambiguity of it. And mm-hmm. I, I don't have a, I really don't have a take one way or the other. Cause I'm sure when I first, when I first watched this movie in the theater, um, I definitely thought like it was, that's just kind of how it ends. It was real. But now watching it again, I'm like, it, I'm unsure. It's I, a little, it's a little too storybook, but it also, right. there's nothing in the movie to contradict it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, for it's not like for me, with like the inception ending, which I think there is an yeah. actual answer right. Right. that people say there's not, but yeah, there's yeah. a definitive yeah. answer. My, my <laughs> but, favorite thing, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, so, like, it's it's just not as definitive as that, but I think there's, because there's nothing in the movie to contradict that this is actually happening, Yeah, I, I, I think it's reasonable to be like, no, this, he got he, good yeah. behavior, he got off after five years, probably on probation, probably can't leave the state, so who knows, if they actually do go on the run, maybe, yeah. you know, it's in trouble then, but. My, my favorite thing about this movie, which you never see in any movie, and you just brought it up, is when John Hamm fires the gun close to his ears and basically bursts his eardrums. Mm-hmm. If you've ever been on a fire range or if you've ever fired a gun, that shit never happens in a movie. Like, everyone in yeah. John Wick would have permanent ear yeah. damage. I can't yeah. believe Yeah, I watch it's it. It's crazy. Just, yeah. And I just, I, I noticed that. I'm like, oh, yeah, that would happen. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what happens when you go shooting and you don't use ear defenders. You're, the oh rest God. of your day... Yeah, it's funny. I was halfway through the movie, and you know how sometimes you just randomly you get tinnitus. Mm-hmm. You know, your ear just goes. Ew. And I was like halfway sometimes. through the movie, going, "Ooh, ooh, it's like a 4D experience because yeah. now I actually have tinnitus." I feel like my neighbor has a dog whistle they just use sometimes, and it really messes with my head. <laughs> <laughs> so, where do you guys rank this in in Edgar Wright's movies? Um, you know, mm. I mean, all of them. I haven't seen Last Night in Soho yet. I still mm. haven't seen that one. But, uh, you, you know, I yeah, think we'll, Hot we'll Fuzz is my yeah. favorite. Oh, easily, easily. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, yeah. no doubt. Yeah, Hot Fuzz is at the top. Shaun of the Dead, I have very, very fond memories of, especially it. taking my dad to see that. Um, I think Scott Pilgrim's I, excellent. So good. Yeah, I love Scott, Scott Pilgrim. Pilgrim. So good. Another, I, 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 another rewatchable one. I see it all the time. I love it. 
Yeah, I, I'd probably put those three above this one. Yeah, um, but this so this one would probably be fourth for me. I think the bottom for me are, are, would be like last night and uh, uh, yeah. let's see. Oh, World's End would World's probably End, be near yeah. the bottom. It just but, it goes spaced and then everything else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you seen what they're doing with um, Scott Pilgrim? Yeah. The um, they're doing the animated show. Um, oh yeah. On yeah. the on the comic, but with all the voices from the movie. Yeah. Is Edgar Wright involved in yes. any way? Or, yeah, Edgar Wright's yes. involved as well. Then I'm like, I heard that and I'm like, that might be mm-hmm. the coolest idea I've ever yeah. heard. Uh, yeah. Um, but that being said, um, this isn't an Edgar Wright podcast. This is a movie podcast about Georgia. So I feel like, okay, we've given Baby Driver a, a good chat. We could definitely be, be talking about this some more. Why don't we move on to the one that, that I brought to the table? Um, because like I was saying at the beginning, when we first said Georgia everybody's instinct was baby driver. Um, but Will won that one. So there you go, Will. Um, <laughs> there are, you know, there are a few options out there, but I, as I was looking through them, looking at these sort of list of movies, I came across Troop Zero that I remember watching. I remember watching it a couple of years ago, I think right at the beginning oh, of the wow. pandemic or something like that. And I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's a charming little movie. I love Viola Davis, Alice and Jenny. So I threw that into the mix. Um, and I'm kind of glad I did as well, because we've got such a varied reaction, very, very varied movies that this one, I, I remember texting you guys that I was not eight minutes in and I was utterly charmed. Oh my God. This, I even, I, I texted you this, I, well, I was curious, thank you for telling, like I was wondering how you'd discover this movie because it's not like Amazon promotes their, their stuff at all, but I couldn't believe how absolutely charming this, this movie was. It was so cute and so sweet and watching this before deliverance was a huge mistake. <laughs> yes. hundred <laughs> percent agree. Yeah. I see. I started. Yeah. This is something we do talk about in the podcast is the order you watch the movies does very much kind of affect the way you experience the movie. So I mm-hmm. started with troop zero. I did deliverance in the middle and then I ended with baby driver last night. So I think that was like, I got the, uh, the sandwich, a deliverance sandwich, which has got like some happiness and some fun on either side. Yep. Then yes. we go through the middle. Yep. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'd only seen it the once. I just remembered really enjoying it. I went and watched it again and really enjoyed it again. They have such a great cast of young kids, but it's the yeah. supporting cast of adults as yeah. well that, that are just absolute bangers. Like I said, Viola Davis is in everything she does so good. She's such a presence, um, yeah. You know, and same with Alice and Janney. I have uh, been just obsessed with Alice and Janney since the West Wing. She is like, yeah. you know. Yeah. If there was a laminated list of women from celebrities that I was allowed, like, like from Friends, I think Alice and Janney would be on that list because I think I find her so smart and so funny. And yeah. every time she's in a movie, she's great, even when she's being a dick. And she's yeah. kind of a dick in this one. She plays, like, oh, she, she, playing, she, she, play, she plays it so straight, but her comedic timing is so yeah. good that yeah. anything she's in much like a john barenthal anything she in she's in just pops even for even if she's in it just for a scene but she steals this she's she's great in this i love her yeah absolutely no she's same thing from the west wing loved her on that show and uh anytime she shows up in a movie like the way way back i just rewatched again not too that's long a, ago that's a great one she's fantastic she's fantastic in everything um and yeah viola davis is incredible in this um, I would say the cast is, is really, really good. I was, it was killing me who that the main little girl is like where I'd seen her from. Um, yeah, I couldn't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. And I couldn't place it. I, and this, this is going to give away how old oh. I, I thought it was Dakota, Dakota Fanning. 
for like most. See, of I thought the- it was L fanning. <laughs> See, <laughs> I I think I know where you're going because I had the same thing. I'm watching the movie last night, and I'm like, I know this girl. I know this girl from a movie I've seen. I couldn't place it until afterwards, and I and I got into. It. Where's the one you're thinking, Will? Uh, I actually I couldn't figure it out. I was like, oh, I was trying. Okay, to, and I, so what? It, you're gonna settle this for me. Yeah, I think the one you might know her from, um, she's been in a few movies, but the one that she plays a major role in this movie and is basically the star of the movie is Ghostbusters Afterlife. She's the daughter from Ghostbusters Afterlife. That's right. Okay. I was wondering because... She's been in House on Haunted Hill, Annabelle Comes Home, Handmaid's Tale. She's in Captain Marvel and I, Tonya as well. But I think the one you're thinking of is... Because in Ghostbusters Afterlife, she is basically the, the main character. That, you know? that is definitely the one I'm thinking of, yeah. yeah. McKenna Grace, uh, she's so good. She's from Texas, y'all. From Grapevine, oh, wow. Texas, just up the road from me. But yeah, I mean, like she that's why I'm so charmed by this movie, is in the first five seconds, she's, my name's Christmas, and I think you might like me. And I'm like, I do! <laughs> yeah. I do like yeah. you, Christmas! You're adorable! <laughs> It's yeah, great. I, yeah. I mean, everything about this movie—it's like things I've seen before, but it all works so well together, and it's—it's it's right. just so lighthearted, and you know, it doesn't do anything new, but everything it does, it does really well. Yeah, and uh, it was just a just a fun, easy movie to watch. Yeah, I'll go with you because in in much the same way that Baby Driver and the way I think was a Deliverance, uh, they they break ground in the way that things are done. You're right. Troop Zero is a very familiar. Um, jacket uh, it's 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 it fits snug you like it it's like it works in pretty much any occasion um, you know it's kind of like run seal quick drying wood stain it does exactly what it says on the tin you know yeah, yeah. But <laughs> that doesn't take away from the fact that everyone in that movie seems to be having a great time like those kids the kid actors especially my favorite character is actually um is hell no hell no and smash yes that's, yeah that's hell what no i was gonna bring Smash yeah. who has no lines of dialogue in this movie, but steals every scene. <laughs> yeah. Just inaudible grunts and just, I mean, but that's the thing, like the, the, the ensemble of this cast, you have like the young sassy black girl who doesn't take shit from anyone. Mm. Um, and, and her sidekick, this bigger white girl who just smashes things. It's, uh, I mean, you have the girl <laughs> with one eye who's the, the weird. That, like, that was my other group, favorite. This group yeah. of outcasts come together. I wrote down, it's like Wes Anderson's bad news bears. Yeah. Like it just, <laughs> yeah. Like these, these <laughs> team of misfits come together and you know, it's like you said, there it's you a go. very familiar plot, but it just, it's fun. They do have their, yeah. The little ginger one-eyed girl that loves Jesus. Uh, you got the, the little boy that lives next door. Boy, yeah. who's, who's gay. And uh, is just like flamboyant. And then uh, you've got, <laughs> Jim Gaffigan as well playing oh my God. dad. Fantastic. And, um, and yeah, guess, isn't he great? Yeah. He's great. So I love him and everything. I think there's a movie he did where, not to get off track, he, he did a turn where he's like uh, like a, a killer. Or he, he takes a non-comedic role and he does it really well. Almost like uh, like Robin Williams in uh, Insomnia, just like a comedic actor or one hour photo that's just great. Oh, yeah. God, one hour photo and insomnia, Robin Williams. Yeah. yeah, Robin Williams playing straight or scary Robin Williams is always. Brilliant. I always, I don't know how this happens. And sorry, not to go off on a tangent, but I remember I was watching a, like a really cute, funny movie on Amazon or something, and I fell asleep during it. It was like a lazy Sunday afternoon. And I remember waking up from my nap and 
one hour photo had come on and I, and I thought I was having like some kind of crazy fever dream, <laughs> but it was just, I had fallen asleep to, and then waken up in the middle of one hour photo. And I was like, what the, what is going on right now? It's crazy. So don't ever do that. Yeah. Dude. Will, have you ever seen one hour photo? Long time ago. Yeah. I, it, funny enough the the scene that I remember the most is a scene where there's a kid who has a neon Genesis Evangelion figure yep. and hearing Robin Williams say like, Oh, mm -hmm. Neon Genesis Evangelion was like, as a kid, I'm like, uh, my brain's melting right now. I don't, <laughs> no. it, I don't understand what's nuts. happening. But it, yeah, no, I, I, I've seen it before and it's, I like it. It's kind of divisive, but I think it's really good. Yeah, we'll get, figure out where that moves. That was a crazy movie. Um, but back to Jim Gaffigan. We sorry. are talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the thing about it is kind of like I mentioned earlier. So Christmas uh, is kind of space obsessed. And a lot of that comes from the fact that her mom kind of was as well and her mom has died and so she kind of looks out into outer space and she's trying to communicate with her mom it's very kind of like contact in a way mm -hmm. if i can get a big enough microphone can i talk to my dead parent in space kind of thing um and then one day she's sitting in a tree and a bunch of uh, birdie scouts um underneath the cool kids well just you know let's call them the the plastics uh, essentially yeah. this school <laughs> um with alice and janney as their as their sort of a uh, troop mom Alice and Janney brings over somebody from NASA because uh, the current president is from Georgia. Uh, NASA's like, we're trying to put sort of sounds from his home state onto the, the golden record that we're going to fire off on Voyager into the solar system, into the universe, that maybe one day your voice will be heard. And he's like, does anybody interest, is anyone interested in space? And Christmas is sitting in the tree waving our head. So the only way she can do it is to get her own birdie group. So she puts together a birdie troop of kind of like, like Ryan said, the bad news bears, she goes out and finds the bullies and then the misfits and everybody else. And then Jim Gaffigan is kind of like the local solicitor, the local lawyer, but he's yeah. always doing it for favors and because he's a nice person. So he's got no money and his long suffering sort of assistant is Viola Davis. They have this really great relationship as like, yeah. like just people that respect and love each other, but it's not romantic at all. But right. she's got a real shine for Christmas. So Viola comes in, she takes over the troupe and she's kind of got this old rivalry with Alice and Janney's character. They never really get into it. It's just when they were younger. And um, I think it just, at, point, at that point, the rest of the movie is exactly like you'd think. It's the girls have to get their, their badges and then they go for the final competition and, and things happen. But it's, it's just so fun watching Viola. You know, she's there with a cigarette and she calls them all like her booze. And she goes yeah. out helping them get like, we're not going to cheat. We're going to go and do this for real. We're going to go and get these little, these little uh, badges. I thought that was a real fun scene. I just love yeah. everything with Violet, to be honest. It's got my favorite yeah. trope. I bring it up every episode where it's like the, the, the main character is like, I'm putting together a team. Yeah. And then she goes <laughs> yeah. out and does that. And all of these kids kind of come together in their own little quirks and weird foibles and things like that. And it's, it really is a ragtag bunch of, of kids and it's just it's fun to watch like i said even though it is familiar it's still like very endearing in how it's done and the film yeah. is it's also shot like really well i mean yes. I, I know i yeah. made a joke that it's like very wes anderson adjacent and it's mostly just that it's got that this is it's got that this is set in georgia color palette like really saturated warm like reds and mm. like like amber tones mm -hmm. just so you know that it's set in georgia <laughs> yeah it, it it's it's a very good looking well shot movie yeah. um and i i appreciated the the color palette in this film because i feel like a lot of times these days movies have kind of like washed out gray like yeah. color palettes and it was so nice to see a movie that put that emphasis on like 
color tones and the warmthness yeah. and just how it was shot. Mm-hmm. I, I really, really appreciate it. What, what did they do in uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, yeah, just do that. Just give me that. Yeah. <laughs> just was, yeah, it, the whole thing. Yeah. It's yeah. very sumptuous. Yeah, I, I like the yeah. greens are very green. It all felt yeah. very, very... Very fun to watch. It was yeah. very cool. Um, so the way it kind of comes down to it is uh, they need to sort of enter this contest, the winners who will then get to go on the um, on the record. Um, so as the whole movie's going through, everyone's kind of bullying Christmas um, as pee pants, as someone that pees her pants. And she's like, no, I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. Um, but it's only later on that sort of it, it comes out that she does. She has this kind of little really special little moment with Hell No when they're on their sort of overnight survival and she becomes honest and it's kind of like, you know, it's because of some of the trauma of losing her mum. You know, it's a very, very like honest, really well acted sort of like, like moment. And that's kind of what I like is that the, any other kind of version of this movie would have just had them do their contest and kind of win. Um, mm-hmm. But as they're performing, which is great, they start coming out doing a performance of David Bowie's Space Oddity um, with the the little gay boy, he's got the whole like get up of um, Ziggy Stardust, Ziggy Stardust, yeah, and it's yeah. and it's going great. And then and then suddenly Christmas's character pees herself on stage. Oh, they're they're heckled by the uh, by the plastics, which by cause the plastics. them to kind of like fumble a little bit and kind of lose their confidence. And it's a, it's that kind of fun little moment because like, you know you weren't expecting that to happen. Then when it does yeah. happen, you're like, oh no! And then <laughs> the twist is you got to appreciate it. The bad news bears all link hands and pee themselves yeah. in unison. In unison. In almost, I thought for <laughs> sure they were going to pull a stand by me where everyone in the audience was also going to piss themselves. <laughs> I was like, really? I was like, no way! They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. And they didn't do it. But so my my expectations were dashed, unfortunately. Um, but that's what I kind of liked is that so then yeah. that happens, the team comes together, but the plastics win. Um, but then you kind of get that that extra moment at the end when all of them, the adults are there, my caps, you know, Jim Gaffigan, Violet Davis are there with all the kids, and they're all sort of just staring up at, at the, you know, at the stars. And then the media shower starts and they just are all sort of say, start saying, I'm here. You know, I'm here. I exist. You know, we might be from small town. We might not make much of an effect on the world as far as people see, but I'm here. Hear me. And there's that kind of nice little moment, the guy from NASA is recording them. So they end up on the record anyway. But I thought that was like, yeah. the ending was not what you expect the ending to be. And I find it a very sweet ending. It was so sweet. Yeah. The whole time, like this, this movie is pure saccharine. Like it's just... It, it's it's the definition of like a feel-good movie you know? yeah yeah very very much yeah. unlike the third yeah. movie which we've got <laughs> yeah. to talk about which is, which is even more feel-good yeah. yeah. we're gonna have a lot to say I, uh, what is, I say in the text it's like what if the goonies grew up and decided to go on a canoe trip that goes horribly wrong <laughs> Yes, that'd be the 1972 movie Deliverance. Um, very quickly, so Troop Zero, you'd not, neither of you had ever seen, no, right? No. Right. Yeah. No. Okay. Never. So that was a first for you guys. All of us have seen Baby Driver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Had any of us seen Deliverance? No, I've never seen. Nope. It. This was a yeah, first viewing for yeah. all of us. Wow. Okay. Buckle yeah. up. Yeah. Okay. So this is kind of one of those movies that you've always known about. You've known yeah. about it from the zeitgeist. You've known about it because you've always heard people squeal, pig squeal, and so. <laughs> And then you also know about the dueling banjos. Now, um, this movie feels so different to almost any movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Is, is uh, how I want to start off. Like, the I, opening sounds like they're improvising. 
It's just mm-hmm. conversations in a car while we're just getting long shots of a car driving. And it's kind of setting the scene that these guys are going to go on a kind of a canoe trip. But you listening to it, that didn't sound like a script at all. It sounded like four yeah. actors oh, yeah. improvising. I, I went into this expecting, like like you said, I feel like I, I'd never seen this movie, but it's referenced in like so many Simpsons episodes or whatever. And it just yeah. feels like, oh, I get it. I've seen this. I know what happens. This squeal piggy thing. Once I got to that scene, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. But like, because I've seen also seen movies like this where you've got um, a group of guys go out on a thing and it, it goes bad or like um like the descent for example it's like you have this team of people that are and you have the leader that's really great at this and it does not go well for any of them but man this one really took me by surprise like mm-hmm. the whole thing like ten- tension wise i'm like i know it's gonna go bad i don't know when or how and then it does and you're like oh no this is horrible yeah it's quite yeah. It's quite a full-on movie. Because it, it's them on, on these canoes doing that. Like, it looks... For the actors doing it is crazy to me. Like, yeah. Well, we'll get yeah. back to that. Like, yeah. Will, what were you thinking? I, uh, so this is... I, I agree about the dialogue. I actually like the dialogue in the beginning. Um, I love it when dialogue sounds improvised. If you ever see the beginning of, like, Alien, like, the conversation mm-hmm. they have at the dinner... I, some of my favorite dialogue is it sounds so natural. And this had the same thing, but this is, so this is directed by John Borman. Uh, and this is now the fifth movie I've seen from him. Though the others being Point Blank, Zardoz, uh, Zardoz Exor- yeah. Exorcist 2, The Heretic, and Excalibur I've seen. Mm-hmm. And Excalibur. fun fact about all those, they all suck. Uh, <laughs> I have that down in my notes. I hate all those movies. I'll watch <laughs> Zardoz because it's fun. Sure. But, uh, but, uh, but man, so going into this, when I saw John Borman's name come up, I was like, oh no, <laughs> this is, yeah. th- we're heading for a bad time. Uh, I will say this is probably my favorite of those that I've seen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was taken aback by just, I got much more Lord, Lord of the Flies vibes yeah, yep, for, for sure. than I did yeah. anything else. Well, let's yeah, um, yeah. like, for example, the, the, one of the most famous scenes I didn't realize came at the very beginning, which neither did I, I was going to say, I'm like, managers. I yeah. had no idea. I, but that's when it. they, from the moment they pull up to that gas station, the camera is placed all the way sort of back. And there's a very long shot of them getting out of the cars, talking, they go over to this side they, before they all the head back. To, it's like, that's when I realized, okay, this is a, this movie's different this is not mm. a conventional i mean you know what i mean but it's yeah it's it's shooting it it's almost like kubrickian in the way he put the camera over there i thought it was going to yeah. be like that the entire time but then Very we deliberate. get into that that bonkers scene the 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 dueling banjos scene and it's like for me it's the casting of everybody from appalachia in this mm-hmm. movie they yeah. look so authentically strange the hill and people weird and oh, scary yeah. yeah. Very like, like very the hills have eyes, kind of like just unsettled. Yeah. Like that little boy, the oof, banjo boy. Yeah. Billy Redden, man. Like he he's got something about his look. He doesn't look it's almost like an alien landed and was like, I will be a human boy. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like the man in black. He's wearing an egger suit. Yeah. Right. It doesn't right. it yeah, he's got a very strange look. Who well, I guess Billy Redden played Banjo Man in a bunch of other movies too. So I'm seeing, like, yeah. All it's impossible credits. not to get typecast from this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he does one thing and he does it well. Yep. Banjo <laughs> turned up in a big fish. So first of all, that, the banjo scene's amazing. Mm-hmm. And that, what a way to start the film. And um, 
And it's, but then, you know, just that general uneasiness because it's yeah. kind of interesting. So there's four Atlanta businessmen, basically, as we picked up from the improvisational thing that we've heard. Um, you've got Burt Reynolds is like, is just a bit Absolutely. of a dick. Yeah. But, an, yeah. but an absolute smoke show in this movie. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, come on. Yeah, I, I definitely, like, you know, I was definitely feeling a little gayer by the end of the movie because, like, those arms, <laughs> that outfit, those sideburns, you know, with the bow and arrow, even I'm like, okay, yeah. all right. This you can see where Archer kind of gets yeah. his, yeah. his yeah. inspiration yeah. from. It makes sense seeing <laughs> after seeing this movie. Yeah. Come on, like country. <laughs> but um, it, it kind of... You you very much get it's very well done. They are fish out of water. Um, mm-hmm. These four guys, even even Lewis, the character being played by um, by Burt Reynolds, who at least is a very outdoorsy, adventurous guy that likes to live off the grid and be prepared for when the system comes down. They are at the same time in like it's not in another part of Georgia. It feels like another country, another part of the world because they are so far removed. Because these people, the way they live. The, the poverty level, the, the, the amount of technology they have, and also like just the general closeness they have as a, a yeah. unit, you, you get it right from the beginning that these guys have walked into something they may not fully understand. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's the whole, like, the whole subtext, like, Burt Reynolds' character has brought them here to this river because it's, it's going to be, like, dammed or bulldozed. It, in a few months, it won't be there anymore. So this mm-hmm. is kind of, it's kind of like last hurrah. And it, it just kept, I kept thinking of that movie, The Descent, where there she's like, no one's ever discovered this cave before. And it just, I had this like air of unease throughout the whole thing. And it just mm-hmm. like, I felt so uncomfortable. It's great. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine the script was longer than like 10 pages at times. I mean, like the first 30, 40 minutes of the movie is a lot of it is just them on the river, Yeah, you know, and just, just, you know, like, so like Burt Reynolds is kind of just bullying uh, Ned Beatty's character the entire time. Just like, come on now, chubby, get a bit, you know, like, yeah. and then you got, John Voight and Ronnie Cox on the uh, the other one, and there's a little bit of like um, you know a little bit of like uh, they they plant some seeds for stuff later. Like for example, the first morning, John Voight wakes up, takes his bow and arrow, tries to yeah. shoot a deer, but it's this thing that Bert Reynolds talks about. Some people just get this this mental yeah. block, and it's like the, <laughs> the amount that he's shaking. Yeah, it's hysterical. It's, like, it's yeah. comedic. <laughs> I but wonder like, if that's going to come up later. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which it, it indeed does. Um, but you were saying about seeing all the guys in the the canoes doing it all. So I was noticing it too when I got into reading about it. And it's because the studio was trying to kill this movie. So they wouldn't give him money for um, stunt doubles. They wouldn't yeah. even give him insurance. Insur- no insurance that, blew my that mind. That throwaway line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh. I was, I, yeah. oh my God, that was great. <laughs> the beginning I, there. Yeah. yeah. So, that was- so that's, that's why I was really interested. And I think I... I reckon it adds that level of authenticity to the film because you've got those four guys out there doing it for real going through the rapids you know being washed down the river there were real injuries and real problems and real almost drownings and broken ribs and all kinds of shit happened i say yeah the one that uh, fascinated me was the bit halfway through the movie where john voight climbs that cliff holy crap voight climbs that cliff you know there's that one shot like right down, you know, we've got the waterfall in the background, and I go, "Well, there's no way you can fake that." Yeah, and I was yeah. like, yeah. "Holy yeah. cow!" Even the, even the sexual assault was real. Like they spent <laughs> no expense. In this movie. Ned Beatty uh, was, was committed. Well, Ned. actually, let's do it. Let's talk about that scene. So, of course, it's the most famous scene. So it happens about uh, halfway through the movie about that. 
that um, they've kind of got separated. Ned Beatty and John Voigt are a little bit ahead of the other guys. They stop off. Two mountain men come out of, of the trees, one of them with a shotgun, and it very quickly escalates. It's, it's yeah. what, you know, as much as you were joking about it's played real, it felt really real. Yeah, you know, yeah. it was uncomfortable. It They've got him on the back foot. They've got a knife and a gun. They've got no choice. But the way that Ned Beatty is, is chased around and kind of messed with and is you, you, you hear the desperation and then the exhaustion and then, also, yeah. all those, then just sort of the realization. Like that whole scene was played out incredibly. Yeah, and the whole and time was, John, John Voight's strapped to the tree watching yeah. this unfold. And it's just like, geez, I was expecting ugh. sort of like this exploitative. I was expecting this, this a very different scene than what it was. And yeah, then, yeah. and then the way it sort of like, and then suddenly it escalates. You get that incredible shot of you, you, a sneak of of Burt Reynolds' character is kind of coming in the boat. But then the next time you see him is full on extension with his bow and arrow. No, no, sh- no shaking there. No shaking, and then you have got like yeah. a light across his eye. So you know, cool. incredible bit of like framing, and that's when boom, suddenly shots fired. Quite literally, one of the guys is dead. And that's when the movie is just completely. Oh, it, he hits him center mass right in the chest with the arrow, and the guy takes so long to yeah. fall over and die. I'm, I yeah. mean, it's it kept going. I'm like, <laughs> it's like have you ever seen that clip of that Indian movie where the guy gets shot like six times? Ah! Yeah, shot again. Ah! It's no. that it was. He took two full minutes to die, but that in itself is quite representative yeah. of you've been shot with an arrow. You didn't yeah. die instantly. Yeah. No. Yeah. And then the way he just collapses onto that tree and the way Burt Reynolds pulls the pulls the the arrow out it's like oh my god yeah. Ooh. and then yeah. yeah and just everything that transpires after this is it's crazy because then they I could like I said I was not expecting this movie to be as grounded and like real feeling as it was I thought there was going to be some kind of like movies Rambo now. Just, like, yeah, I thought yeah. like one of them was going to get kidnapped and Burt Reynolds was going to have to go and rescue them and just murder all these people. Not at all what happens. Um, no, it immediately gets into the moral uh, question. Yeah, like what do we do with the guy? I'm like, we just murdered this guy. guy. Like, well, <laughs> he just sexually assaulted one of our friends and was going to kill them. Uh, so we killed him. But so Ronnie Cox is the one that going, no, we've yeah. got to go and tell the, the cops. Yeah. And the other three are like, you know, the Robocops. And <laughs> <laughs> 209 could see yeah. to, to talk, sort this out. But yeah, they say one of the guys has run off, the toothless man, the guy that had the shotgun. Yeah. Um, and then uh, these guys decide, no, we're going to bury the body. Sorry, you've been outvoted, Ronnie. So they go, they dig a very, very shallow grave frustrated me that they buried him with a shotgun. I'm like, that could have been freaking useful later on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so they bury the body and then they start paddling off real quick. Um, but that's, this is the part, I actually rewound four times to try and figure it out. Uh, I still don't know why Drew falls into the water. Does he just faint? I think it's just, is he he reached his breaking point after having to dig that hole dig that shallow grave in the cold wet earth and he's just like fuck it i can't he's just he's mentally gone like the trauma is just too great for him because you see they're going hardcore and yes they have just been doing that stuff and you just see him kind of get lightheaded you see him kind of shake his head and then he's into the water and then but he refuses to put his life vest on too like he's just i think he's just like no i'm i i 
he's just reached his breaking point and couldn't take it and just toppled over. Like because Burt Reynolds' character thinks that he's been shot, and then they hit like rapids, and then it's that whole incredible action scene of them oh, getting God. wiped out and being washed down the river. And like you were saying, the danger feels real because it is real danger. Yeah. You don't realize well, I, just how I, 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 I thought he was Burt Reynolds was saying that he was shot because they couldn't find the body they were trying to like come up with an excuse as to why he kind of did that just to cover their asses that was my takeaway on that i know i just think there was just an assumption they go like maybe that guy must have shot us and then so they go the guy if he's there he has to be up there so we'll, we'll stop for a second so then this again was a quite surprising scene is after that wipeout scene so we've just lost drew and he's gone and then Burt Reynolds' character shattered his femur. He's got the most oh insane it looks compound like a, fracture. It looks like a turkey, like a, or a chicken, a raw chicken breast is hanging out of his right. leg. It's so gross. <laughs> and so yeah. delicious. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, gnar- dude, it's gnarly, man. That was This whole and time you're built up to think Burt Reynolds is going to be like the hero of all this. And exactly. That, right? So yeah. then it's like John, John Voight's got to do that really scary climb. That was a really interesting scene because it was oh very, it was shot night for day for night. Oh yeah, so obvious too. Yeah, and like it, that were, scene. Oh, couldn't tell. Did you yeah. guys like that whole scene? <laughs> him, the montage of him climbing was made. It seemed like it was three days. Yeah. Like it kept cutting <laughs> so back. Long. He's like he's t- drinking water on the thing, and he pulls his wallet out to look at his family photos, which he then drops. Like gosh, and, mm. and it just seems like he's. He's just climbing this for days. It was hilarious to me. He put himself on the line. And that's the thing is that I, I, while making it, while watching it, I was really appreciating, but like, it wasn't until I saw afterwards that they were forced into this situation. But I was like, by not using stuntmen and it, it all felt real. So like I said, when they're holding onto something or they're struggling with something, they're struggling to walk. No one looks like they've been trained to do this. They all just look like guys in over their head in a way you've got, but Reynolds is certainly better and stronger at, at sort of things, but yeah, they at many times seem um, out of their depth, and it just mm-hmm. added this this whole level of realism to it. And this movie um, must have been an absolute nightmare from like a legit from, from a filming standpoint, yeah. setting all this up. Yeah. Like, just just I, the I locations mean, they're shooting. I mean, having shot, I've shot several things out in the wilderness, like music videos and films and such. And uh, I cannot recommend something less. It always yeah. sucks. We always get damaged equipment. Yeah. I always seem to trip and fall on every single rock that exists out in the wilderness. And so just the thought of them shooting like on a river and canoeing, oh uh, I, I just, no, there's not enough money. Either. You couldn't pay me enough to do this. Yeah, like I've, I, I've told, I've told my friends, like I'm not filming in the wilderness anymore because it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it it, it with, doesn't want you out there. <laughs> it's yeah. I did it with GoPros. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I did, I, I was on a, I was in Brunei. We're in the, in the, the rainforest. We're on a river. It was very Indiana Jones. One of my favorite shoot days ever, but one, it was super hot, but two, we had the very first generation of GoPro. That's very different to a film camera in ni- the 1970s. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't even imagine. Only, only marginally. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so then yeah we're at that point where we get that scene where John Voight does that incredible climb which feels very very sketchy um, with the terrible day for night um, like the bit where his face drifts forward and goes blue because he's gone into yeah. where they're dying the, the film yeah. blue mm-hmm. um, but it sort of weirdly enough then because there's all this ambiguity in this movie because yeah. it, he gets to the top he's kind of fallen asleep and suddenly it, the sun has come up there is a character there with a rifle their theory was true and um, he's kind of there and he pulls the bow and he 
he's there and the guy sees him and he's got the shakes again. And you get that sort of that moment of the guy shoots and he sort of, you hear the, the, the arrow get loosed and the guy's coming for him and he's cowering back because he's fallen onto an arrow as well. Yeah, so he's God. now injured. The guy pulls a gun on him and only around then do you see the arrow and the guy just fades and shoots into the ground. You're like, oh my God, that tension Oof, of, yeah, of that moment. Great. I thought, did, now, uh, for some reason, after he, like, then he, like, crawls on top of the guy, like, fiddles with his teeth, because why wouldn't you? Just to make sure it's him. Shit. But they don't show his face, so my brain immediately went to, oh, shit, this is Ronnie Cox's character, and he killed him by accident. Right. But that's not, like, because you don't see his face. You don't really know. It's It just threw me by surprise. I was like, oh, well, shit. You're, is that you're one supposed of those? to. You're supposed to think right? like okay. that. In the same way that when he checks his teeth, you're supposed to be worried, because he knew the guy didn't have teeth. Right. And then he pushes the dentures down and realizes, oh, okay. Yeah. But even then, even he's still only, yeah. I think it's him. I, I think it's him. And then you yeah. get that sort of... Um, you have to think the, the margin of error is so big that none of these guys have teeth. So he, <laughs> that's like, that's the check to make oh, sure. Yeah. Yep, that's the guy. Well, here's the guy, that, that guy later on, that his brother-in-law is saying, oh, my brother-in-law went out hunting and he hasn't yeah. come back. And then you're like, did we kill the wrong guy? Right. You know, all right. these kind of questions are being asked. Yeah. Um, you get that really uh, sort of considering again what we know about there being no insurance and no stunt people dodgy moment of lowering that guy down off the oh cliff. Oh my god! Um, the Jeez. rope breaking and John Voight falling into the water kind of stuff was all like super super on yeah. edge, super dodgy. And then it kind of gets into the all right now what do we do? We've got to get rid of this body so they sink that body. Now we've got to get Burt Reynolds with a broken femur down the river. Um, that was the only part. So that was the only part of the movie that took me out for a minute when you can see Ned Beatty and, um, John Voight going down, navigating the river. And there are at moments, they put in inserts of Burt Reynolds, but it's very obvious. Yeah, he's not in that boat. He's not in that boat. For four or five I was wondering that too. I'm like, wait, I, I was like, wait, I thought I was, is he, in, cause the other canoe breaks in half. I'm yeah. like, wait, 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 are they just dragging him? Like, Where's his arm? You know, where, yeah. why, why can't we see him? Yeah. So there's that bit, but but then you also sort of like, you kind of see that like Ned Beatty's character, as the movie goes on and on, he's just growing and growing and growing in confidence and ability and and like dealing with the situation. And then, and then we find Ronnie Cox in Oof. the position they have him in. Oof. Yeah. I'm like, so, does Ronnie so Cox gross. have like a dislocated shoulder or something? Oh my God. That was my thing. It's like, yeah. I was like, wow, those are really good, like, you know, makeup effects, but then learning about the budget of this movie, I was like, are, yeah, are well, they actually makeup just, effects? No, they just actually threw him down the river with no life vest, <laughs> yeah. and then they will we'll, we'll come, we'll come back for you. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I so I don't know. It's gnarly I don't, man, gnarly. Oof, like the way that, that his body is positioned with his arm up over his yeah. head, it looks like he's got a broken arm. So then they don't find any bullet holes. So again, we're never given a definitive answer as to why he died. We just know he drowned as a result of whatever happened. Um, so then we've got the, all right, then they weigh down his body and they dump his body. And it's like, they're just every second, they're digging themselves deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah. And like, and we've also been told by those mountain men that y'all on the wrong river, you're taking the wrong turn. So we don't Mm -hmm. know if these guys are ever going to make it back to wherever they're going. The only choice they have is to keep heading down river, um, go through some crazy rapids, but they do eventually kind of reach civilization in as much as they go there's some beaten up cars but they're still not there yet 
And then this is the kind of interesting things because then we see them get across the lake, we get some of those shots of the construction that's actual real construction, which was a dam that was being built to do the very thing that they ended up, you know, saying in the movie. But, you know, I would have thought the movie was about to end. And it doesn't. We get that extra 18, 20 minutes of extra yeah. tension of we have to lie, we have to say it happened here, keep your you know, wits about you, then the police, everyone has the hospital, is Burt Reynolds going to lose a leg? The police aren't really believing them. Then you add in that guy saying, my brother-in-law's out there somewhere, and you're like, oh, are they going to get away with this? Or do we yeah. want them to get away with this? It, it has more endings than Lord of the Rings. Like, it just keeps yeah. on ending. It really does, I, yeah. I was alone in my room watching this movie, and at a certain point towards the end, I was like out loud saying to myself, I was like, good Lord, can you just end already? Like, yeah. We get it because it would just kept being like the same. Like, are they going to get caught? No. Oh, are they going to get caught? No. And so after like the fifth one of those, I was like, they're not going to get caught. Just credits. Just stop already. <laughs> well, it's interesting. That's right. It's like that when they do. So what they did is they paid like uh, a couple of these uh, yokels to drive their cars to the other side uh, to be picked up. And the whole time you're watching the movie, you wonder if those guys were the ones that told the other yokels. And right. then, you know, you probably not trust them. And then so you get to the end, and you realize, oh, no, those guys did what they were told to do and got paid. So those were good guys. Yeah. The other thing was just some random guys in the middle. It's like, again, the ambiguity and the unanswered questions, the things that leave yeah. you, which just adds to the tension the whole yeah, time definitely. you're watching yeah. the movie. Yeah. Um, oh, so in the end, it's like John Voight's got um, PTSD. Ned Beatty seems to be doing the best of all of them. Ronnie Cox is dead. And I'm never clear about whether Burt Reynolds keeps his leg or not. But yeah, um, yeah. That, a lot of again, ambiguity in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> and then then the movie ends. You get that one last almost Friday the Thirteenth. Friday the Thirteenth. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> where the bloated hand comes out. I thought that's where it was going to end. Yeah. And then John Voight wakes up, yeah. and I was like, and then oh, yet another ending. Yeah. Yeah. Deliverance. Another ending. Deliverance will return. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought going into this, I had another Bull Durham moment where I I thought the name of the river was Deliverance. <laughs> I, uh, I really. I think it's more that. to do with when Ned Beatty is saying "Deliver us from evil," when he's sort of praying, right? He's each under, he's um, muttering under his breath. I like mine um, better before the assault happened. <laughs> um, uh, fun little uh, cameo: the the um, sheriff at the end was the guy that wrote the novel. Uh, James. Oh, Dickey. cool! He was unsettling, uh, man. Like, I love yeah. that the last line of the movie is like, "Now, don't you boys ever come back here and do anything like this again?" I'm like, "Yeah, we fucking won't." There's going to be a lake here, so yeah. it's going to be fine. Um, yeah, also, like this, an interesting. Yeah. I think I was reading an anecdote uh, is that one day um, Dicky turned up drunk to set. He was angry uh, that Borman had kind of rewritten his script. They got into a fist fight. Um, broke Borman's nose and stuff like oh, that, but shit. they ended up being great friends. But it was just one of those things of like, you know, male disagreement, fists were thrown. Yeah. Um, I was also like, so kind of like you guys, like Burt Reynolds, I was surprised at how great Burt Reynolds' performance was. Oh. I mean, not surprised, but he's brilliant. I love Burt Reynolds, but in this one, I thought, because he goes in so macho and then it kind of subverts his character in a way. Yeah. All, I mean, all of them do too. Like, you, like all of the characters, like you said. But, but it was most surprising for him. Like, him as the star in this, I thought for sure this movie was going to go a very specific way, and it really didn't at all. Like, there were um, I crying like a that, bitch by the end. Yeah, Marlon Brando <laughs> was uh, approached for Lewis, Donald Sutherland, Charlton Heston. Uh, yeah. Both uh, looked for Lewis. Other people that were considered for other. Roles were Gene Hackman, Lee Marvin, Jack Nicholson, Robert Redford, Henry Fonda, Ooh. 
uh, Warren Beatty. You can see, I mean, like a they lot really of wanted this work. to fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they really wanted yeah. this to fail. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I felt like Deliverance delivered. I thought it yeah. was. Um, you know, I, I kind of felt like it was uh, going to be something that I'm like, all right. I'd always wanted to watch it. I'd always mm-hmm. wanted to watch it. Kind of like I said at the beginning, um, I'm glad I did. Its budget was $2 million, Wow. And it made just under 50 Wow. Which, that's impressive. Which is wild. You know, so Huge success. Of, oh. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, this, this movie is the reason we got Burt Reynolds in Cop and a Half. <laughs> I was just thinking about the movie because I saw that in theaters. So did I. I saw that movie in theaters. <laughs> I love Bert Reynolds because he was smoky. He was smoky, uh, He was the bandit, you know. So yeah. for me, I just loved everything he was in. Smokey but, um, is the bandit. Smokey <laughs> is the bandit. That's amazing. Um, so like this movie it felt very seventies. It was kind of giving me vibes of the Deer Hunter. It was kind of giving me vibes of of movies made back then. I was. That's the one thing I said to my missus who had seen this movie, um, but a long, long time ago. That I was like, they don't make movies like no. this anymore. No, because they have insurance. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. This movie had like a very, um, like Texas Chainsaw, very raw kind of look and feel to it because it was. Yeah. Versus yeah. like versus a Troop Zero, which I completely forgot was set in the '70s, but it yes, very easily could have been yeah. taken place in modern times. You you know. That's very much. Thank you. That's the one thing I wanted to talk about regarding Troop Zero is, is it a unrealistic movie? Because it's felt like a 2023 movie done through the lens of the 1970s, where you yeah. have a black troop leader, you have a gay boy, you have all of these different things and people that even in 2023, parts of the country do not accept. Right. You know, and yeah. so, so like I'm watching it and just going, is it just like, are we watching, are we rose tinted glasses 70s? Yeah, kind of I can see that. I, you know, it's funny. I didn't, I didn't think of that while I was watching the movie at all. Like that never entered my it's, mind. It's not a point of the movie. No, no, right. But it, but it, what didn't, but it didn't stick out to me. Like I wasn't like, oh, this would never happen. Like th- that, that, like what you're saying, completely makes sense, and I agree with you. But what during my watch of it, never once entered my mind. Like it just mm-hmm. didn't. None of that seemed unrealistic to me. But, but well, I'm also not from that time period. So exactly. Know. It could be a level of ignorance on my yeah. part for smaller yeah. communities in Georgia. You know, just looking. Yeah, out yeah. you're absolutely right. You're absolutely so that right. was something I was I was kind of interested into getting into. I'm glad you sort of brought that one up. Um, all right, like I'm going to say that we've we've covered these movies. Um, it's time to kind of get into the the Georgia of it all. Um, so Baby Driver is a very Atlanta movie. Um, features a lot of various people. Like it's if you're talking about Georgia, you're getting a lot of actual locations, actual places, actual layout, but also very Atlanta. Uh, Deliverance gives us um, that sort of vibe of. You've got the the Atlanta sort of sort of businessman. You've got the Appalachian sort of back um, woods people. Um, but of course, this is like you know over sixty, sort of fifty, sixty years ago. So it's like it feels almost like you know post World yeah. War Twoian uh, in a way. But you've got real rivers in real Georgia and real sort of place. And then you've got Troop Zero, which feels very Georgia with the people, the people, the yeah. accents, everything. But shot in Louisiana. When you get oh, into it, no. much and much kind of like yeah. uh, like you know, <laughs> Alabama was shot in Georgia, or like you know, all these different movies. Right. In this case, it feels so Georgia. They've got the look right in so many ways, um, but it's shot in Louisiana. So again, I, we never know where we're going to end up. That's just me throwing out some information to get the ball rolling. Where are you guys feeling about things? Uh, for me, I can 
and it pains me to say, I can, I can eliminate baby driver from this be, just because I feel like it, it could have easily been set in, like you'd mentioned in an LA or like, it could have been it was in supposed to be in LA. Yeah. Right. Like, so it, I could, mm-hmm. you could take the Atlanta, the, the Georgia out of that and still, it could still work as um, a different, in a different place. But, I, I think kind of, like I said, as Edgar, yeah. once they You're went right. You're to right. Atlanta, Fair. he's like, this works better. And they changed the story to make it a, yeah. an Atlanta sort of thing. Right. I'm just, you're right. You're right. But if I'm going for me, if I'm just, I'm just trying to, cause I never know where we're going to end, like where I'm going to end up until after, until we get to this point, even getting there, I'm like, shit. So wait, someone says a, one this, thing, you know, we'll say something. But or I always, something. <laughs> I always go feeling like the, the, like troop zero felt the most Georgia to me. And it's, it's, and it's in the people and, like how they're speaking and the the look of it and how it feels and it just felt like this summery vibe versus like and and I know um deliverance had similar things just in like tone, but man, I really hope I really hope we don't pick deliverance. <laughs> what about you, Will? Uh I, I kind of don't feel like deliverance is the bet. I feel like deliverance could have been in any of the deep south states. I don't feel like that's yeah very Georgia specific, even though they're talking about like the river and stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like that could have been anywhere. Uh, baby driver. I, I don't know. I think because they, they recrafted the story to make it fit for Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, the fact that it's shot there, uh, that the visual iconography, although it's just Atlanta, I feel like that that really does play into its favor. Um, I, but troop zero, despite the fact that I, I agree, I think there's kind of, um, you know, the rose tinted glasses, like you said, Ollie, kind of like the idealized version of what you probably wanted Georgia to be like if you were a kid in the seventies. Um, I think that that overall gets the better sense of like what the people are like and just, you know, cause you get a whole variety of people. Whereas, everyone in the other two movies are either murderers yeah. or criminals. <laughs> I was gonna, that's exactly what I was about to say, Will. Yeah. Um, yeah. Going off the back of what you're saying is that Deliverance is an extremely Georgian movie, but it shows you two types of people, um, people with teeth and people without. And yeah. uh, the people without are mostly rapist murderers. Yeah. Those are their pronouns. <laughs> Careful, those are their pronouns. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the baby driver is completely Atlanta. Yeah. But but yeah, I, I think I think we're all circling the the same thing here. Is that while Troop Zero may have been shot in Louisiana, it's the one that gives you the most people, the most different types of people. It, it gives you the warmth of Georgia. You know, it gives you some of that beauty of Georgia. It shows you the mix of people that you have there, um, and it, and it sort of and it shows that we are here. We exist. We are Georgia. So are we gonna, we're going to do it. Yeah, yeah. I think okay. Right so yeah. boom. We're going to say that Troop Zero, the 2019 Amazon film, um, is the defining movie to represent Georgia, even though it technically wasn't shot there, which is great, because I love when this kind of stuff happens. <laughs> though, at the same time, I feel like what a strong month of movies. Uh, yeah. I think cred- credit to you guys, like I said, putting Deliverance oh, out there, finally taking it off my list. I'm wow, glad yeah, right? I watched it. I probably won't rush to watch it again. You. It's one of those movies nope. that you've got to see uh, and experience. Um, and then Baby Driver was just a joy to watch. It is, yeah. is always a joy. Yeah. Um, but I'm happy that we've ended up with Troop Zero. I think it's a very, very sweet movie. But that is just for now. 
because that is the movie that we have chosen to represent Georgia until somebody else brings a better movie to topple it. Brilliant. Love it. Happy with that one. We've got two more things to do. First of all, our list of also-rans. Yeah. Did you guys have any sort of like, because I circled for a minute, I was circling Smokey and the Bandit that does take oh. place in Georgia, but it also takes place in Texas and other states. Mm. But it is also one of my favorite movies ever it's, made. You almost, yeah. almost had that. Anything for you guys? I, it's in the same vein. I almost picked Forrest Gump, but that kind of globe trots all around. Yeah. Um, I in a similar in similar vein, you mentioned the uh, Dukes of Hazard was another one. Oh um, yeah. But some other other ones I absolutely did not want to rewatch for this was Gone with the Wind. I wrote down uh, <laughs> no fried green tomatoes. Oh um, yeah. But uh, I was I was definitely leaning towards either doing Ray or Cape Fear also. But yeah, Ray I circled that one as well. You know. But because we talked Dewey Cox, I I couldn't do yeah, it. Yeah, I'm like oh I can't <laughs> yep. can't do it. Yeah, you don't want none of this, Dewey. I was hoping that takes place in Georgia, but I don't think it does. <laughs> uh, Will, did you have any of those? No, Cape, Cape Fear was like on my mind, but also since we had picked like Deliverance, I was like, that's too much. That's too much uh, yeah. like horribleness for, <laughs> for like one podcast. Uh, not horrible. I love Cape Fear. I, I don't want to, you know, Scorsese's like the best filmmaker ever. So I just mean horribleness and like Robert De Niro is particularly a bad dude in that movie. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's why I, I said no to that. But uh, but yeah, I think Ray was also uh, something I was circling, but I, I also don't really like Ray all that much. I love yeah. Jamie Foxx's performance, but as a movie, I just remember being like, eh, yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, so, in, yeah. In, in, in similar vein to Cape Fear, though, if, if you don't want to take that down, I highly recommend the Armand Asante film uh, Fatal Instinct. Which is kind of like a. Uh, I remember seeing it in the theater. It's kind of like a uh, a naked gun. Yeah, par- it's, it's kind of like loaded it's weapon. Right? Yeah, yes, it's, it's it's. I watched that recently after not seeing it in forever, and it's still hilarious. Holds up. All right, which uh, means we have one thing left to do. Uh, in that globe, uh, baby. Yeah, I. That's the. Where are we going <laughs> next week? Uh, I've got one for you. I'm willing to predict that I know the movie that Will is going to p- pick. I also have one already in the chamber for this one, but it's a little bit of a random one. We're going to go to the state of Michigan. Michigan. (laughs) I can see Will's face already. (laughs) Am I going to pick it? Is that going to be too on brand? We'll have to see. Does someone get shot in the dick? Who's to say? (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) So guys, put your thinking caps on. Uh, Michigan is the state we're going to be taking down next week. We have decided that Troop Zero is the movie that defines Georgia. Um, To anyone at home that is listening, if you're on Amazon, please like and subscribe. Please rate us if you're on Apple or Spotify. Share with your friends. This um, Our little community is building, which I'm quite happy to say. Uh, And I'm bumping into people that listen to this podcast and they are enjoying it. So I'm thrilled. Uh, You can always find me online, Ollie underscore Pettigrew or That Englishman in Texas. You can find Will as entitled Willennial. Ryan, you have a store online on Threadless. Is it not Rhino Digital? Yeah, Rhino Digital. So R-Y-N-O Digital. Um, and then also yeah, for you guys at home, if you have any ideas, you have been commenting on my videos uh, on Facebook and on TikTok with your movie ideas as well. We do listen to them. Uh, give us suggestions as well for states in the future. We can't wait to take them down. Well, Ryan, thank you so much. This was a great episode and I can't wait to, uh, 
to talk about some of the movies next week. <laughs> I'm excited too. Oh, it's, it's, the, it's the only thing I look forward to. It's amazing. Yeah. For real. Thank you to everybody at home for this episode of the United States of a Movie Podcast. Yeah.